I mean, just a you know, good hockey game. Uh, I thought Jake kept us in it early in the game in the first period. They came out quick. Uh, we were a little slower to the gate. I thought uh, uh, LB kept them in it in the second period. He made some huge saves. Third period was pretty even overtime. I mean, it was a, it was a hard-fought, good hockey game. I'm glad we came out on the right side. We've been on the wrong side of those too many times. And you know, we worked hard tonight. For, you know, I thought we deserved it. For sure disappointed. I mean, we had the game. We got a lead in the last five minutes of the game, last minute of the game, and you know we got to find a way to get two points and not uh, not one. Got some fresh bodies out there. I will say on the goal, we left the middle of the ice open for a split second where we could have collapsed better. That's something we'll address. But some of the stuff leading up, and then there's one in Jersey we let it get away that, but it, that deflected in off our own guy. Another one, so. There's three times we should have, you know, had wins, but all three times it wasn't the same. Two minutes in our end where we just couldn't, you know, get it done. It was you know, odd circumstances. So was it one of those years, or is it really problematic? Because I just crushed my dreams. Boom, sadness. That's the one. All right. We have two working mics in this secondary studio and we might be down to one how long we got to be in here and yours is way too hot four three two one yeah. testing yeah i think it works yeah, it's, just, gonna, it's just gonna fall just apart gonna aim your voice at it. the mic is gonna fall off the mic arm and onto the floor you at some point handing the mic to danny probably that's probably a bad idea that's a bad <laughs> idea we'll blame danny good call jared good call you've learned from me blaming you to just yep throw the finger at somebody else it's definitely danny's fault uh the golden knights uh they traded for yvonne Barbashev. talked about that earlier in the show uh sorry if you're listening online and you missed that um but oh, that's still not fixed they also won a game over excuse me they lost a game in a shootout over the weekend but did laurent brossois have the save of the season for the golden knights it was a nice save, but I agree with him. He was out of position. Wow. He even said, Look it after, at you. He said it after the game. He said, great saves like that are usually because yes. you're out of position. Almost every single time when you have a goalie make an unbelievable Swiping save. Swiping in the air and just kind of touching the uh, the puck away. Because they're out of there. Remember, the probably the, the best save in Golden Knights history was the Marc-Andre Fleury diving back against Toronto. Right. Because he was was out of position. Because he was like 10 feet away from the net, and the net was wide open, so he had to dive to save it. If you're doing your job, you're not 10 feet out of the net. So he is right, 100% (laughs) right. Um, Let me ask you this. So you've already said no to that. Can it be the save of the season if it doesn't mean anything towards a win or a loss? Yeah, I think it still can. Because they lost the game in a shootout. They lost the game. If he doesn't make that save... They just lose in overtime. Yeah. They still get a point. Dallas still gets two points. Yeah. So it didn't actually change anything. It gave them a chance to win, but it didn't actually right. change anything at the end of the day because Laurent Brossois then failed to stop either the shootout I mean, goals. could you have the best catch in the NFL and not win a game or not win a, win a game over a certain season? You keep going back to that catch? Yeah, I think so. Did Odell Be- Did the Giants win the game? Odell Beckham made that catch in. Danny's giving me a nope. thumbs down. So No, I'm sure he bet and lost. <laughs> <laughs> that was like 10 years ago. Was he even <laughs> old enough to bet? <laughs> so he, he had it at the schoolyard. This kid's probably been betting since he was like the fifth grade of the schoolyard. He had a lunchable on Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Laurent Brossois, so far this season, uh, we've, we've seen three games. 9-3-6 save percentage. 
easily the best on the team. He stopped 41 of 43 against Dallas. He is the only Golden Knights goaltender with a positive goal saved above expected. Logan Thompson is it's like negative one, and Aiden Hill's like negative four and a half. What are the chances Laurent Brossois is the Golden Knights' best goalie? I think it's a good chance. I think there's a good chance beside, even beside the All Star, as the rookie, as the rookie, as the rookie All Star. This guy's played a lot of hockey. He's played a lot of goalie. Um, you just said the numbers. I think there's a good chance he's better than Aiden Hill, and Logan Thompson as a rookie who's played well. He's played well, but he's been hurt, so we don't know when he's coming back. Um, I think there might be a good chance this guy's the best goalie. And if he's the best goalie in their mind, even though you said correctly last week there's not a lot out there, if he's the best goalie in their mind, do they still try to make a move for a goalie? So I'm Probably curious. Not. I'm more curious to see how do they handle the position from here. Because when the rookie comes back? Right now, Logan Thompson's hurt. And Laurent Brossois is technically on the Golden Knights on an emergency loan, which means when Logan Thompson comes back, they can send Laurent Brossois back to the Henderson Silver Knights without going through waivers. But if they decided Logan Thompson's back, we want to keep Brossois, we're sending Aiden Hill down. Aiden Hill does have to clear waivers, which means they could lose him for nothing, which this organization has been adverse to trying to do that in the past. So I'm curious to see, I guess here's the question. How much better does Laurent Brossois have to be than Aiden Hill to stay on the team when Logan Thompson's back? Given what you back? just said about waivers, probably a lot. Yeah. And so far he has been. If this is if this is who Laurent Brossois is, is. Laurent Brossois versus Aiden Hill, Laurent Brossois has been better. Right. And if he, listen, 9-3-6 save percentage is fairly ridiculous. So, but obviously if he keeps that up, they're good to go. But it, you know, obviously I assume he's going to come back to earth a little bit. Mm-hmm. If Aiden Hill, I think he has like a 906 save percentage right now and is negative 4 goals saved above expected. If Laurent Brossois is a 912 save percentage, which is much better and is like a plus 1 mm-hmm. goal saved above expected, is then that enough? I don't enough? know if you risk putting the guy through waivers. That's what I'm curious to see when Logan Thompson comes back. But as of right now, doesn't matter. Right. You're going to, he's the goalie and Aiden right. Hill's the backup right. until Laurent Brossois starts playing poorly, right? I mean, if Brossois has a bad game or it's not like the leash is going to be super long, but if he has a bad game or two, then there you go. We heard Bruce Cassidy talking about it coming back. Two of the last three games, Golden Knights have lost despite having a lead in the last minute. Both Chicago and Dallas scored with an empty net. Before it was that they gave up too many goals early. <laughs> now they can't finish games off. Fluke, or you think there's anything to this? It's a real problem. I don't think there's enough evidence. I think it's too small of a sample size. Yeah, probably it's is. Too, it's too small of a sample size to say that there's something seriously wrong. Probably is. And maybe the bigger concern is that both times they've given up a goal, it hasn't really been it hasn't been the goalie's fault, right? They've given up a good chance that win it, right? right. So I'm curious to see when they're playing with the lead again, how well do they defend it? And if this was a fluke, because yeah, they play five or six more games, they win four of them or something, then and it doesn't really hold matter. on to a couple of one goal leads. We right, won't then, even really remember this, right? right? We'll get to the playoffs and we'll be like, what? I don't even remember right. them blowing those one goal leads. Um, but if it happens a few more times, then it's probably a narrative we talk about. Cause there's what 20 games or so left in the season. If it happens three or four more times, then that's something we're talking about going into the postseason. Is this team final minute protecting a lead against a team with pulled an empty net? 
or pulled the goalie? Can they actually close it out? Did you see Chandler Stevenson's pass that was intercepted? No. Uh, so empty net. Stevenson, I cannot remember who was in the middle of the ice, but it was a two-on-one for Vegas. Stevenson was about to get to the blue line, and he tried to make a pass across the ice. And if he completes the pass, it's a empty net. It's a, a walk-in right. for an empty net goal. But Jason Robertson dives from Dallas and breaks up the pass, and then Dallas gets it, and they end up scoring the game-tying goal. It's a it's a spot that Bruce Cassidy talked about, where he hopes in that scenario his players are able to make the play and score the goal to kill the game off. And that's something that's even more interesting to me than actually giving it up is not being able to score a goal when the other team pulls Should he have just tried to walk it in and go deeper than the blue line? I do not think Stevenson did anything wrong. Jason Robertson went one. Jason Robertson did not try to play like a two on one. I'm going to split the two guys and, and play them both. And Darren, he, he went a hundred percent for Chandler Stevenson, which in that case, you try to make the pass. The problem is Jason Robertson dove. He slid. And I don't think anybody was expecting that because guys don't normally slide all the way at the blue line right. to break up a pass that happens right in front of the goal. So I just, I honestly, I think it was just a great play by Jason Robertson and not so much Chandler Stevenson made a mistake, but that's how you lose in the playoffs is somebody else makes right. a great play and you fail to capitalize on a situation because they you made a great a play game. and you didn't, which is what we saw, even though it went to a shootout. One positive note, though, even though they lost in a shootout, uh, Golden Knights before that had won five straight home games. Their last 15 home games, they're 10-4-1. They now have the 12th best home record in the NHL. First two or three months of this season, we were like, this team can't win a single First game at home. First two or three home. months, they did nothing but win on the road. Right. They were the best road team and like the worst home yep. team. It's starting to correct yep. itself. They're probably they're going to finish the year with a better road record than home record, most likely. But the Golden Knights can actually... Uh, win games at home, which is good because they're probably going to have home ice advantage in the postseason, and that'd be bad if you couldn't win home games. Tonight at Colorado. It's Colorado. Who's playing for Colorado? Colorado's <laughs> playing well, actually. I think they've moved into second. Did they move up? I think they oh, moved I in. Can't, you can check it. We can't talk about it being a wild you card matchup it, anymore? Think, check that. That's unfortunate. Uh, that's what I was hoping for, was we would get a Colorado first Vegas, round matchup. Uh, Colorado is the wild card. be way more fun. They are in third place. Oh, they're in, in third. The okay, so they're Central. moving up, though. They are... They're in third place. They're a point behind Minnesota, but Minnesota's played three more games. So well, by points percentage, Colorado Colorado's has a better, better record than Minnesota. How far are they how far are those two behind uh So it's Dallas at seventy four, Minnesota at seventy two, Colorado and Winnipeg at seventy one. So they're right there. They are. And they've played two less games than Dallas as well. So they have a real shot to they win the night. They win the night. They'll probably have the best points percentage in the in, in, the, in central. the central. They won't actually catch Dallas, but they'll have the best points percentage. So, damn, they're going to get the one in the central. <sighs> Vegas is going to get to play like Seattle. Seattle's fallen to a wild card spot too. By the way, it's yeah, a, Seattle lost last night. L.A. and Edmonton are two, three, and Seattle's four. Is Calgary ever going to make it? The team going to be any good? Know. All right. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, it's Bischoff's Briefs, where I'm going to tell you who the Golden Knights should trade for. But first, we got tickets to give away. We've got two tickets to the Mountain West Conference Basketball Tournament here in Las Vegas at the Thomas N. Mac. These tickets are for Session 4 on March 8th. 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you want to wear a pair. 
win a pair of tickets to go to the Mountain West Basketball Tournament. Be caller number eight right now at 702-364-1100. Bishop's Briefs. And that's how you scrabble. Coming up a little later in the show, we're going to have tickets to give away to go see Luke Bryan. Stay tuned for that. We also have joining us uh, in about 10 minutes, Leon Rice, the head coach of Boise State. They're coming off a loss to San Jose State over the weekend. The Golden Knights already made a move before the trade deadline, bringing in Ivan Barbashev, a forward from the St. Louis Blues. Um, Barbashev will see where he ends up playing, but he's expected to be in the lineup tonight for the Golden Knights. They sent away Zach Dean, a former first-round pick, to get Barbashev. But I'm going to tell you who the Golden Knights should trade for before the trade deadline. Columbus Blue Jackets goaltender Jonas Corposalo. This season, Corposalo is 16th in the NHL in goals saved above expected. He's plus 8. As we talked about a minute ago, Aiden Hill is uh, 58th out of 71 in terms of goal saved above expected this season. And Logan Thompson is 50th out of 71. The Golden Knights have gotten below average goaltending this season. Jonas Corposalo has been very, very good this season. However, he was not very good the previous two seasons. He was negative 10 in goal saved expected the two previous seasons. So this is not guaranteed to be a great goaltender. But he's most likely going to be better than Aiden Hill and better than Logan Thompson because he's been very, very good so far this season. It would likely be the best goaltender on this team. Some other key points for Corpusallo. He's a free agent after this season, so he's not a long-term player. You don't have to fit him in under the cap next year. Uh, you, If you want to, you could re-sign him, but you don't have to. And he only makes $1.3 million against the cap, meaning... Uh, you could trade for him, and it would not really prohibit you from making more moves. And then there was this from a story in The Athletic about the Blue Jackets. Trading a goaltender at midseason is often a tricky proposition, and the return typically isn't overwhelming. The Blue Jackets would likely get a mid-round draft pick or a middle-of-the-road prospect. So if that's true, and Corpusallo would cost the Golden Knights a third round pick or less gold Knights have two third round picks in the 2023 draft. That's a great deal where you get a goalie. Who's been one of the 20 best this year for a third round pick. And he doesn't cost you very much against the cap. Now it could create a little bit of a mess because you bring in Corpus You have Logan Thompson, presumably coming back from injury. Aiden Hill exists. And Laurent Brossois has been playing well recently. I personally am not worried about losing Aiden Hill for nothing, right? If you put him through. If I if I trade for Jonas Corposalo, Oh, if you make this trade. I don't right. care about losing Aiden Hill for right. nothing, right? Uh, I, I'll try to trade him. If somebody wants to give me a fifth-round pick, I doubt they would. But great. If Columbus wants him coming back in the deal for Corposalo, great. But at the end of the day, I'm okay with putting Aiden Hill on waivers after making this trade because if I lose him for nothing, I'm not worried about it anymore. Logan Thompson... You're keeping around. The difficult part would be Laurent Brossois and if he continues to play well. As of right now, you can still send Brossois down because he's on that emergency loan and you wouldn't lose him for nothing and he could be in Henderson and if you get an injury or whatever, you could bring him up or you get to the postseason and you don't think Corp Salo or Thompson's been very good. He could be on your postseason roster. But that's the only way that it might get a little bit tricky is if Laurent Brossois continues to play well. But 
once you make this trade, you have Corpus Allo, who's been very good this year. You have Logan Thompson coming back, who's been okay. And then you have Laurent Brossois as an option, who has been in three games, small sample size, very, very good. I've told you this before. NHL teams, from the front office perspective, I don't think they should pay goalies. I think goaltenders should be treated the same way the NFL treats running backs, right? You don't pay them big because the variance in production is pretty wild. Look at Corpus Allo, was one of the worst goalies in the league the last two years. He's the 16th best so far this season. Corpus Allo doesn't make a lot of money. If you did that, you basically would have given Aiden Hill a cheap goalie a chance, Laurent Brossois a cheap goalie a chance, Logan Thompson a cheap goalie a chance, and then Corpus Allo a cheap goalie a chance. You'd be giving four different guys an opportunity to win this job and be good. And Corpus Allo, even though he's done on a different team, has been very good this year. And he could be the one you plug in, not paying a bunch of money to, while paying the rest of your team. And then, hey, he's your goalie, and he goes on and helps you win in the playoffs. Because that, to me, is the ultimate key here for the Golden Knights and the goaltending position. They are winning the Pacific Division, despite having below-average goaltending over the course of the entire season. Can they win the Stanley Cup with that? And I don't think no, they can. No, I don't can. think they can. I think if they're going to win the Stanley Cup, they're going to need above-average goaltending. Right. And your best shot at that is probably somebody that's not on the roster right now. Maybe Logan Thompson can do it. Uh, maybe Laurent Brossois is going to be good like he's been for these last three games. But most likely, you're going to get average or worse goaltending from Brossois, from Thompson, from Aiden Hill in the postseason. And if that's the case, I do not think they win you the Stanley Cup. You think that trade can be made? If Listen, this story from The Athletic said the Blue Jackets would likely get a mid-round draft pick or middle-of-the-road prospect. If it only takes a third-round pick... To get him. I don't know why you haven't done it already, right. honestly. I mean, that's basically nothing. So if you can just ship it... Now, if they say, hey, it's got to be a first-round pick, then I'm not doing it, right? Well... Now you're the Golden Knights. You don't need first. That's a picks. good point. That's so a good point. We'll you, ship them all you away. You can ship them all away and, and really never have them anyway because they just <laughs> trade those guys as, as you know like flies. So if they if they want a high asking price, then I'd probably say, eh, we'll see if this Brossois guy can do it because Corpus Allo is not a sure thing by right. any means, but he's been better than everybody else that the Golden Knights have used so far and probably gives you the best chance at having a good goalie in the postseason. So. That's what I'd be looking to do because, again, it doesn't prevent you from doing anything. Because $1.3 million against the cap, if there's another player you want to get, he should not stop you from doing that because he doesn't cost you that much, especially if you're able to trade Aiden Hill somewhere away. I honestly might trade Aiden Hill like and a fifth-round pick to get rid of him because his cap hits like 2.2 or something. You'd save money if you traded Aiden Hill. You'd lose a draft pick, but you'd actually save some cap space to do so. Did you see the trade Tampa made with Nashville yesterday? Oh, yeah. The Tampa Bay Lightning traded a first-round pick, a second-round pick, what a, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a fifth-round pick right. for a guy that has scored five goals yeah. this season. They traded as many picks as Tanner Jeanette has goals this season. What the hell is Tampa what? doing? What a haul for Nashville. <laughs> like, What are they seeing Tanner Jeanette? He had a breakout season last year where he scored like 20 goals. But his okay, shooting, but his shooting percentage was like twenty eight percent. I thought you were going to tell me like thirty something. No, twenty something. And this year he's got five. Like last year was this massive outlier. 
and Tampa gave up five. The, Tampa basically gave up an entire draft for Tanner for one player who has five goals for one player who's probably going to play on their bottom six. Like I was a little skeptical of the Golden Knights giving up one of their top five prospects for right. a bottom six guy. That's way better than five damn picks. And here's the thing. Barbashev's got 10 goals on the year. This Tanner Jeanette guy's got five. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know what Nashville's doing. No, and, it, and here's the thing. If I'm any NHL team, even if I'm a contender, I'm looking around and I'm saying, hold on. Why didn't we send Tampa one of our bottom six guys for five first-round picks? Like the Golden Knights. Like, did anyone else call them on this right? guy? Like, did the Golden Knights say, like, uh, do you guys want Michael Amadio? <laughs> We'll, we'll do it for four picks. You can keep the fifth rounder. Like, I I don't understand it. I And, and I saw a lot of the, the analytic people. Did Tino Meyer go through? I don't. Uh, I yes. Don't, it uh, did go through? I don't know if it's official yet. Okay. It's been reported what it was... the deal is, but I don't know if the, okay. if the NHL is actually officially sent Tino it Meyer went through because I was watching last night and they said there might be a holdup or it wasn't official yet. Yeah, it was not a done deal, and then it was a done deal, and then I don't know if the teams have actually announced it making it an official trade yet. But... Timo Meyer is going to be a New Jersey Devil in the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights will have missed out on the they two big names give him, in I Patrick Kane and Timo Meyer. I don't think they were going to send him to the Knights. Yeah. I mean, you're they could overpay. have asked for 25 to 50% more. Yeah, they're going to overpay. see if they would overpay for him. Overpay for him. Because the other key is the, the Sharks, I believe, are retaining 50% of his salary, of salary. this year, which uh, the Golden Knights technically could have made the trade without any salary being retained by San Jose. So the Golden Knights could have saved them money in effect, by right. which the Sharks, I don't think, care about the cap this year, but their owner might care about not paying Timo Meyer half a salary right. or something like that. So, yeah, but uh, should have traded whoever their Tanner Jeanette is for five picks, even if you're a contender right now, because five picks for... Good, good on Nashville. Uh, it's five picks for a guy that's probably yeah. replaceable. I mean, who's the Golden Knight comp that has five goals and plays on the bottom six? Keegan Colasar? Like... Why? If somebody could offered you see, five see, picks for Colasar right now, you, you see got to them take it. getting five t- picks for Keegan Colasar. We've been around saying, "Well, they're trying to win, but that's a no-brainer. You have to do <laughs> <Exactly>. that." <laughs> Be like, "That's the easy trade." And then they can use those picks to trade for somebody actually good at some point. All right, coming up next, you're on ESPN Las Vegas. Leon Rice joins the show. Shaver still dribbling with eight. Shaver still dribbling. Shaver down the right side. Oh! And they call a foul on Jordan McCabe as Shaver pushed off on him. What an absolutely horrible, horrible call. I mean, that is an absolute joke. You heard Curtis throw his headset That's down. bad. That's about as bad as it gets because, again, again, you're talking about there's 20 seconds left in the game. A guy's driving right. There's, I mean, they, they run into each other. There's not even contact. There's no hand check. But we're... I mean, <laughs> it is inconceivable. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now, the head coach of the Boise State Broncos, Leon Rice. Uh, Leon, when you're coaching, can you hear the radio broadcast when they're right there next to the bench? Uh, you know, there's sometimes you can. Like, I can hear ours once in a while, but you usually got everything. Down there, you know these arenas in the mountain are so loud. But how about those guys? I don't think they like. Them at all. <laughs> uh, They're not. Hey, I was I was actually laughing when I was listening to it because you know we all have our own bias and our own perspective, and and that's how I feel a lot of times. Like what a hoy! <laughs> I can't say it, and I can't. So I get it. I mean, uh, that's 
uh, that's what makes college basketball so great. The passion <laughs> and the, you know, the enthusiasm and the people get mad at me because I get uh, that. I feel that way sometimes too, and I maybe don't <laughs> control myself all the time like I'd like to. But uh, that's just like what makes college basketball so fun. Uh, so we asked. Uh... Ryan Odom, who's at Utah State, this question earlier, and I'm curious your thoughts on it. How much do you talk to your players about net rankings or Ken Palm or quad one wins? Like, how much does that come up uh, from the coaching staff deliberately with your players? Um, you know, maybe early in the year, just so they have an understanding of what it really means and why. You know, because things have changed. In the old days, you didn't worry about margin of victory and things like that, so you know, that, that's probably a negative consequence of the whole thing. You, you kind of have to worry about that a little bit, and more than a little bit because you want your numbers to keep going up. And so, uh, you know, I don't like that part of it because there's always a sportsmanship to it. There's a, you know, but you, you just, you, every second matters, every hoop matters, every point matters in these ratings and Ken Palm and those kind of things. And so we maybe spend some time educating them on it, uh, but then they're aware of it. They're talking to me about it a yeah. lot. And, you know, I mean, I have some close relations on our team. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we sit and watch a lot of basketball, and he's always updating me, oh, let's move this up one and this moves this thing there. And they know more about it than I do, really. It's crazy. I was going to say around the dinner table, he must have a lot of numbers for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And usually when we're, you know, because he'll come watch games with me a lot. And, uh he is a basketball junkie, so he knows what every unintended consequence of every win and loss, and not only of us and not only of our opponents, but our opponents' opponents. It's crazy. Leon Rice with us, uh, talking about his son, Max Rice, who plays for Boise State. All right, what right, I'll, I'll, I'll take both the positive and the negative from you. What's been the best and what's been the worst thing about coaching your son at Boise State? Well, the best is how he's just become such a great integral part of his team and, and how he makes others, you know, he's, he's really turned into this player that uh, he's everything that we're about. He's competitive. He's a, he's a great teammate. He cares about the right stuff. He doesn't care if he gets 30 or two, it's just if we win. And, you know, so to see him evolve to be the integral part of this program that he is, is really interesting. I think the negative was uh, kind of the way maybe I undersubbed him and underused him in his first years here. And, you know, I always thought, well, I got to go get a more talented guy. This guy has, has bad genes. I got to get <laughs> more better athletes or, you know, all those years. And then finally, you know, it's just kind of like, wait a minute, we're just, we're about winning and we're about getting the job done. And I asked one of my assistants, what's our record when I play max more than 20 minutes. And when we were like 20 and two in those three years and I went, man, I'm a bad coach. <laughs> so that, that was probably the negative is how you kind of got, you know, but that does happen. And it's not just him. That happens to young guys sometimes. And, and, you know, coaches, it's not easy, and sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get. And you, you know, we all kind of reach out to get more talent all the time. And you know, there's an air quote around talent, and there's a winning is a talent, and 
doing the, the intangibles is a talent, and that's he does a lot of those things. Uh, it always is, but uh, you know you're going to have a few teams in fourth and fifth right now, maybe in third, trying to play their way in come uh, the Mountain West tournament. How competitive do you think this one's going to be comparative to others? Oh boy, I, I think from you know we've had in in my time here in the Mountain. We've had maybe, I mean, that, that San Diego State team that the year the NC term was canceled, that team could have been a Final Four team. And, I mean, they were, they were so good. And, you know, we've had some great teams like that Nevada team that went to the Sweet 16 with the Martin brothers, those kind of things. <clears throat> we've maybe had a higher top. We've never had top to bottom this good. Never. And not since I've been in the 13 years in the league. So that being said, I mean, it is really one of those tournaments. I think you could, you could play it a hundred times. You get 96 different results. It's, it's crazy. Uh, doesn't mean 96 times a different team would win it. I, I think, you know, there's some at the top, you know, I think San Diego State has shown a consistency that's pretty remarkable. And, and then, you know, you got a, a bunch of the second group that are, um, really, really good, and can beat anyone on a given night. Anyone, and then you know you got these others that that have, by the luck of some bad bounces, by the luck of a few injuries, they are where they are, and they can win the whole tournament. And I don't know if that's ever happened where you got teams that aren't in the top five that could win the tournament. You uh, guys at Boise State, you guys just uh, played San Jose State. You lost in overtime. You guys, you've been in this conference for a long time. You've seen a lot of bad San Jose State teams. What's been most impressive to you about what Tim Miles has done there? Well, it's amazing how he um, he gathered the right pieces, and because you know the, the through the portal, he, you're able to go get some things. But there's, it's not you know everyone thinks it's an easy oh well we can go get that guy and that guy. Well, some of those guys hadn't played that much. Some of those guys didn't have any numbers to go along. And he, and he sorted through thousands and thousands. That's the challenge is you have to sort through so much to really get a true answer of what a player is. And there's so little time to do it sometimes. And they came up with the right pieces that fit together. And, you know, they've got a little bit of everything. And they are good. They are one of the most physical teams in the league. You know, I mean, we beat them on a buzzer beater here and you know in overtime there we, we lose but you know so it, it's what he's that team is not a fluke and us losing there is not a fluke i mean utah state lost there i mean it's a it's a really really good team and they're a team that can do something leon rice with us head coach of boise state so you guys beat unlv twice and one of the things i'm i'm always curious to hear about is ej harkless is one of the best in this conference at getting to the free throw line how do you tell your guys, like, what do you tell players when you're defending a guy who's so good at creating contact that gets him to the free throw line? Like, how do you coach guys to, to not foul him, which yeah. not a lot of teams have done well this year? Yeah, no, that's a right. There's a reason why he does it so consistently. He's really, really good at it. He's a really crafty, uh, you know, because there's some guys that use their total athleticism, and then he's kind of got the really good combination of both. He's got a... Uh, really, really elite athleticism, but he's got an elite craftiness to his game and, and knows how to play and knows how to, you know, get you up in the air. And, and I mean, he's a difficult one. It's like 
like you said, that there's been a lot of teams. We all go in with the same uh, philosophy and the same ideas and game plan to try to stop that, but it's a lot easier said than done. Leon Rice with us from Boise State. All right, before we let you go, we'll give you the same generic question for all Mountain West coaches. Uh, do you think this conference gets enough respect from the selection committee this year when we see the NCAA tournament field? Yeah, that's a hard one to know. I mean, you know, I think history tells you no, <laughs> that you're not going to. So, you know, until, until that changes, we'll see. I mean, I, I can't, you know, all these other things are just projections and but there's so much things that can happen in the next two weeks. And those things always seem to happen. You know, I, this goes way back to my days at Gonzaga. Life on the bubble is stressful because if you sit around and watch games, it never goes the way you want it to. You're like, okay, we need this team to lose, and they'll be out. They'll be off, the, and then they win, and then they win another one, and they win under these crazy circumstances, and so it just clouds everything. And then there's the recency bias, so... Now a team got hot and won a bunch of games, and everyone forgets about the body of work some of these other teams did. And uh, so it, it just gets it, it. It's I've settled in to just hey, control what we can control and, and let the chips fall. But the one thing that is encouraging is our league is getting way more respect this year because the numbers are right. I mean, you guys, you guys have covered this league. You know, good luck. Anyone in the country going to Utah State, going to Wyoming, going on and on. You just go through our whole league, playing a road game in this league. You know, I'd like to see any of those so-called bubble teams go and do it. And um, in the old days, when our numbers weren't as good as they were, those games never got the respect that they deserve and how hard they are. Uh, Now, with the way the numbers are, I think – you're seeing us get, you know, the proper respect. So you don't you go lose one of those, you don't completely fall off the radar. He is Leon Rice, head coach of Boise State. They play San Diego State tomorrow. Leon, thank you so much for joining thanks, us. Thanks, Coach. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you in a week. Take care. So there's Leon Rice Mountain West Tournament coming out here. Um, Ken Palm rankings this year. He uh, There's a ranking for each conference, or ranks all the conferences, I should right. say. Uh, Big 12's one. Big Ten, Big SEC, Ten. Big East, Pac-12. Mountain West is sixth. Uh, so right of, after the, they're not ahead of the Pac-12. Not in Ken Palm rankings. They have better net rankings than Pac-12. the Pac-12 does this year, but uh, Ken Palm still has the Pac-12 slightly ahead. They are ahead of the ACC. They are well ahead of the AAC as well, which is always the big comparison because right. those are generally the best two group of fives, and also ahead of the WCC, which um, has, has two, two, teams two teams probably better in. than... Most of the Mountain West, yes, but yes. the depth of that conference yeah. is not quite the same, which is what has been. I mean, that's the thing. UNLV this year, their Ken Palm ranking is 86. Uh, if they finish in 86, that's going to be the highest they've been in Ken Palm since 2014, right? Since Dave Rice was here. And they're going to be the seven or eight seed in the right. Mountain West tournament. Now they've lost a lot of conference games that eh, they probably should have pulled out some more wins there. But like the depth is really good this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that UNLV can win the tournament or even San Jose State or even New Mexico. I think it's going to be one of the top four. I honestly think it's going to be San Diego State or Boise State. I don't even know if Nevada has a legitimate chance, but there's some good teams in the middle of the conference. And like he said, you can lose to San Jose State and it doesn't crush you. Doesn't It doesn't hurt you like in the past. Right, because they're a top 100 team. You can lose to UNLV, who's going to be the seventh seed, and, and it it's not going to hurt you. Even right. Colorado State's jumped up to 107 in Ken Palm, which it's not a good loss, but it's not a... 
horrible. Get that team the hell out of here. Wyoming would be game. the one. Wyoming, and even then, they're one sixty eight in Ken Palm. It's not. It's bad, but it's not. Usually, the Mountain West has like a you know Air Force and San San Jose State are like two seventy. They're in the two high two seventies, and it's like yeah, you lose that game. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> your, not good. Your season might as well be over. That team doesn't exist this year. All right. We got tickets to give away to go see Luke Bryan. He's extending his residency shows in March and April and now in August and September. He's at Resorts World Theater. These two tickets are for August 30th, 702-364-1100. If you want to win a pair of tickets to go see Luke Bryan at Resorts World, be caller number 11 right now at 702-364-1100. I mean, honestly, I was like, are y'all serious? Like, I, I did the urine test yesterday, and then they backed it up with the blood draw tonight after the game. That's actually my first time in my career being tested after a game. And then aside from that, they know that I'm scared of needles. So I know I got a lot of tattoos, but when you're doing a blood draw, it's different than, it's different than tattoos. You're locked in the press box. Here's the cheater. <laughs> We have a TV in our uh, little secondary studio here. I don't believe we get cable, no, uh, but we have YouTube that can be connected to the TV. And Game 7 of the 2017 World Series is on, and Ed is intently watching the Dodgers lose. I'm actually rather impressed you've been staring at this so long. Yeah. It's, it's already 5 nothing. They're just the showing the highlights. The Dodgers are going to score one run uh, the rest of the game, and it's going to end 5-1. to one. Spoiler alert. Uh, I think it's Chris Taylor. Or maybe it's Corey Seager hits a ground ball to Altuve in the bottom of the ninth to end it. Yeah, it's great. It's a great game. Phenomenal. Five nothing. Should have started Kershaw, as you said. Probably not you, Darvish. That would have worked a lot better. Um, it was a great game. Max Scherzer, have you seen? Hey, this? wait. There's a uh, trash can. Cody Bellinger. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you see Max Scherzer spring training? He's calling his own pitches. Makes sense. He has on his uh, uh, glove, basically, the little device the, to the, tell the buttons to tell the to put in the ear what pitch is coming. So Scherzer doesn't want to deal with his catcher calling pitches. He's up there saying, "I'll tell you if what I'm throwing." If it's one of the guys you'd say would do that in this, the oh. least, he would be top of the list. Scherzer, He'd be top. Of Scherzer the list. and Zach Greinke. for different reasons. Because Gr- Zach would want to do it has... for like weird reasons, where Scherzer's just a you know a. Frog, you guy. Grinky has actually called out their sign sequence to the catcher in the middle of an at bat. Right. Like he'd be like, "Yeah, we're going with two <laughs> to tell him what sign <laughs> sequence to use, and then there's the sign sequence while there's runners on second. So yeah, but Scherzer would be like, "I'm not listening to right. no catcher. He's not listening to anybody. I'm gonna call it myself." He's like, "Oh, now I can tell him exactly what it is. This is great." Right. And so Scherzer's gonna do his own pitch com. I wonder how many pitchers will do that. Wonder if they let him do it in the regular season. Probably. I mean, I assume that's why you're trying it, right? Is how does this I mean, work? He's, how does this he's feel? the one guy. Like I said, his his ego and you know how he is, he's the one guy. How many pitchers would you trust over your catcher to call the game? Very few. I was going to say, it's not going to be a lot. Not a lot of guys. Not a lot of guys. I say that about him, but he'd be one of them. Yeah. I say that about him in terms of his ego, but he'd be one of them that I'd actually say, okay, he probably knows enough about what he's doing that well, it wouldn't be a shock. Are you yelling without a mic, Jared? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just yell. Yell what without. What I was going to say was that then <laughs> if he screws up a pitch, the catcher gets to go, dude, you called it. <laughs> you threw it in the dirt. What did you want me to do? 
How does the pitch clock work if Pitchcom breaks down? I mean, because we, how, I, think, I mean, I feel I like I the saw the clock. Yeah, but like last year, the amount of times I would see a pitcher point to his hat or his ear where the speaker he is can't hear it. and act like he was confused. Well, maybe that's the way they get away with the pitch clock. Spencer Strider, who is a pitcher for the Braves, he said over the weekend that he and his catcher are going to have a default pitch. And if the, just in case it's if coming, the pitch it's clock down. gets down, he's right. just going to throw whatever they decide right. the Knuckle default curve. pitch is. I would love for it to be a pitch he never throws. It's like, yeah, I've thrown this seven times this year. Every time it's been because the pitch clock was at one and I had to get going. Maybe there's a knuckle no, curve. No, no, it's the pitch that you do whenever you realize there's like a bug on whatever you're holding. Like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> the underhanded thrust. But here's what I actually would assume would happen if you're Spencer Strider and probably other pitchers will adapt this. The default pitch is not just going to be you know, fastball low and away, no matter what, the default pitch is probably going to change batter to batter, right? You're probably going to come up there and it's like, oh, this guy, he struggles against high fastballs. So the default pitch against the first guy is a high fastball. The next guy comes up and it's like, oh, he crushes high fastballs, but he struggles on change-ups out of right. the zone. So the default pitch for pitcher for hitter two is a change-up low and yeah. away. You better be tipping off the catcher somehow. Right, and I'm wondering if that, if they get pretty intense with it. Like, you're going to have to be... Pretty up on the scouting report. On top of it, yeah. And especially because with the pitch clock in baseball, you now have the stress of a clock running out and being penalized that you have in every other sport, but you don't ever have in baseball, where baseball, the pitcher and hitter, get to think through pretty much as much as they want to, where in every other sport, oftentimes, you stop thinking because, oh, the clock's at one, and I need to make a play. Right. That's actually going to happen in baseball. It'll be more of can your pitcher and catcher ahead of time know what default pitch to throw to each batter and not screw it up. I can't wait for, well, I threw the default change up, but the catcher thought the default was a fastball and it went flying to the backstop and they <laughs> scored a run because of it. It's going to be great. I also can't wait for a team to lose a game on a... That would be kind of popular, I think, to have that default. That's, I mean, that's what I would do, and I would yeah. have one, a different one for every batter, and make sure scouting report-wise, hey, this is what this is what he hits, and this is what right. he doesn't. This is what we're gonna do for our default. You gotta and, be on top of that report. Yeah, which they should the fastballs be. Fastballs coming. Yeah, or, I mean, you, they you, don't have to bat. Right, the pitchers don't have to bat. Time. Some catchers don't have to hit. Some of them are good at it. Some of them are like, yeah, I'm gonna hit 170, and I'm right. gonna go call the game. Chrissy, I cannot wait for a regular season game to end on a pitch clock right. violation whether a batter's called out or a pitcher's called for a ball and a run and scores run or scores something bases loaded cannot wait because it's gonna happen people are gonna freak and they freaked out about a spring training game it's gonna happen people you are gonna freak gonna out the, the reg- we'll, get one. Do it. we'll get one in the regular season but it won't matter because there's 162 games